It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling. Coming up on episode number 14 of Sports Day Plus. At 6.15, it is the first of a three-segment chat. It is my weekly conversation with Justin Wells of Inside Texas and InsideTexas.com. Talking Texas Rangers, Longhorn football, and the Dallas Cowboys coming off of a bye week. And a mere seconds, I take a look at the World Series matchup beginning this Friday and what to expect between the Texas Longhorns and BYU Cougars on Saturday. I am your host, Trey Elling. You can give me a follow on Twitter at CourtesyWave and do the same for ESPN Austin at 1027 ESPN. Congratulations to the Arizona Diamondbacks for doing what very few people thought they could at various points of the NLCS, and that is knock off your defending National League champs, the Philadelphia Phillies, in Game 7 last night by a final score of 4-2. to two. This is an Arizona team that really crept their way into the postseason. They were not good in the second half of the regular season and made it into the playoffs by the skin of their teeth. And since then, they have continued to prove doubters wrong. And that includes, in this NLCS, a series that the Phillies were heavily favored going into. And after two games, this Phillies team looked like a buzzsaw that not only the D-backs, but also either the Rangers or Astros is going to have a hard time with assuming that they made it to the World Series. Well, guess what? There's just one problem with that scenario. The Arizona D-backs had no interest in letting that happen. They win games three and four to even the series at two. But once again, after Philly wins game five in Arizona to head back to the city of brotherly love, just needing to win one or two to make it to a second straight World Series. Once again, folks said, I just don't think Arizona has what it takes to win both of these games in what may have been the most hostile environment in all of baseball this year. An enormous home field advantage for the Phillies. But sure enough, Arizona plays the closest thing that Major League Baseball has to small ball this year. And chips and steals and hits and fields their way to wins in Game 6. And then also in Game 7 last night, 4-2. to And they will be appearing in the World Series for the first time since 2001. And as you many of you may remember... That was the year of Randy Johnson, Longhorn legend Greg Swindell, part of that roster, and Arizona did defeat the New York Yankees. I think most of us were rooting for Arizona in that series. They defeated the New York Yankees to win their one and only World Series title. So now they have a a chance to win a second, and the Texas Rangers with a chance to win a first. And has been documented over the course of the last 24 hours or so, These are two franchises that each lost more than 100 games just a couple years ago, and now they find themselves in the World Series. Remarkable how quickly a team can turn things around like that, but it has happened. Not just once, 
but twice here. So congratulations to both of these teams for doing what it takes to get there. And these are two teams that also really struggled mightily in the second half of the season, but have also shown a sort of resilience throughout the year, but most specifically here in October, and now has a a chance to win it all. As a Rangers fan, I'm excited. think that people would agree that this seems like an easier matchup for Texas, but I'm not taking that for granted. It's strange. You look at the stats for Arizona. Pitching-wise, these two teams are very similar. Both have really good Game 1 and Game 2 starters. Things get sketchy for Game 3 and Game 4. And the D-backs have the better bullpen top to bottom. As far as the lineups are concerned... Arizona, very pedestrian at the plate, except in a couple of areas. One, triples, which may be a bit of a fluke, but they're also one of the top teams with stolen bases in all of baseball. I believe there was only one team who had more stolen bases than them throughout the course of the season, whereas that's not something Texas does all that well. Texas is good in a lot of other categories. They actually have the edge at the plate right now, just considering how much power they bring to the plate. And then both these teams are really good fielding teams. Literally tied atop of baseball for best fielding percentage in the majors this year. So you expect to see a lot of clean fielding in this game. There is a power surge. It's most likely coming from the Texas Rangers. And Arizona will, much like they did against Philadelphia, continue to chip their way into scoring runs and occasionally find ways to score those runs in bunches. So it should be a fun matchup starting Friday night in Arlington. Games 1 and 2 on Friday and Saturday. Games 3, 4, and if there needs to be a Game 5, those will be Monday through Wednesday. And if there are Games 6 and or 7, that'll be the following Friday and Saturday. And a programming note on that. 1027 ESPN will carry every single World Series game which I'm excited about, even if that means that Sports Day Plus gets blown out each of those nights. See, pregame has been 6.30 with a 7 o'clock start time up to this point. That's happened a couple of times this week, going into last week as well. But this Friday's game, 6 o'clock pregame, just after 7 o'clock first pitch, no Sports Day Plus. Same thing goes for Monday, Tuesday, possibly Wednesday, and then also possibly Friday if it gets to 6. So just keep that in mind as you keep it locked in right here on 1027 ESPN over the next week and a half or so. As a Rangers fan, oh boy, I almost hate to say this because I don't want to jinx it. So I'm knocking on wood right now really hard as I tell you, I hope this series goes 4 and the Rangers win it in a clean sweep. I don't expect that to happen though. I think that because you have two gritty teams like this who don't go away, even when they're left for dead, that this is a series that probably does go six when it's all said and done. I've seen some people predict seven. I think the Rangers, mm, do I want to say that right now? No, I'm saving my prediction for tomorrow. I almost said Rangers in six, but shut your mouth, Trey. That's what I'm going to do right now. Actually, I can't do that. It's kind of my job to keep talking, but I will stop with the World Series prediction until tomorrow night. 
Texas Longhorns are looking to shake off an uneven performance in Houston last weekend in a home game against BYU this weekend. Gosh, feels like the first home game in a month. Hasn't quite been a month, but close. But the Texas Longhorns do face BYU this weekend, and it's a BYU team that, to put it bluntly, is not very good on offense. Is decent defense, but has been a uh, pretty mediocre team this year. People will point to their win over Arkansas as a highlight on the schedule so far, and that's not incorrect, but Arkansas is also very much down right now. Sam Pittman, his seat seems to be getting hotter by the week because that Arkansas team has gone from one who is competitive week in and week out through the first couple of years, really overachieving last year, to one that has fallen back to earth hard this season. But it is a BYU team that gave the Longhorns fits in consecutive years more than a decade ago. Some would suggest that thanks to Taysom Hill, Texas, the Longhorns that is, became BYU's fifth or sixth husband-wife in those years. But they look to shake off that history coming up on Saturday. And I think BYU is the antidote to help Texas get that done. Even with Quinn Ewers out for the foreseeable future, Malik Murphy likely going to be the starting quarterback. You could see some Arch Manning as well. Texas defense needs to figure some things out. They know BYU is going to try to attack the middle of the field. And I believe they will be more ready for it than they were this last Saturday to go along with a heavy dose of Jonathan Brooks and C.J. Baxter running the football, not asking too much of Malik Murphy and or Arch Manning. We will continue talking about that matchup tomorrow. Coming up next, though, it's my conversation, my weekly conversation with my friend Justin Wells of Inside Texas. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling. It is a Wednesday at 6.15. means it's time for my weekly two-segment chat with Justin Wells of Inside Texas, InsideTexas.com, and the On Texas Football YouTube channel. And as I said, you do hear him on this show every Wednesday starting at 6.15 for two segments. Justin, always a pleasure. How are you doing today? Man, I'm doing a lot better than I was um, Monday night. I was a little nervous. But uh, uh, yeah, lots of ripping going on for both you and me and plenty of other people who are Texas Rangers fans who are rooting for a team that a lot of people left for dead after what happened at the end of game five with the plunking followed by Jose Altuve hitting the go ahead homer and people buried the Rangers at that point. But this is a team that has shown a ton of resilience all year long. And sure enough, that appeared once again in games six which was a close one till the end with that Adolis Garcia home run. And then game seven, where the Texas Rangers left zero doubt with regards to who the better team was in the series. It's funny. My nephew was in the stands and he's a, he's an admitted Astros Yankees fan, but he he, he respects the Rangers because he knows how much we love them. And he was in the stands and he said, you know, game six, it was mostly Astros fans. He said, but game seven, it was about 50, 50. And I was surprised by that. Houston has has had so much success in baseball over the last six years. I feel like they, you know, they they're owed that. Like the fans give should give them the benefit of the doubt. But it was almost like since the first pitch, the Rangers approached it with the, such an attack mentality, and 
And, you know, we were lucky enough to be on the good side of it. I, I can't wait till Friday. I think it's going to be a fun World Series. And I was kind of hoping it wasn't the Phillies, but I learned my lesson in 2011 when the Cardinals came through because the Cardinals were one of the worst teams in the National League that season until the second half. Hmm. And they caught fire. And I feel like the Diamondbacks are kind of riding on house money right now. And so it's going to be a very, very interesting uh, series, but man, I'm 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 just like you and other te- my my son. We're we're excited. The Rangers are in the World Series for the the third time, and maybe that'll be the charm. Did you think that when the ALCS was over with, we would be hearing such praises being showered on Adolis Garcia, considering the guy absolutely caught fire over the last three games? He was good all series long, but great at the plate, good in the field, and literally sets a playoff record for most RBI in a series with 15 to go along with all the home runs. Yeah, you know, and here's the thing, too, people need to understand about Garcia. He came through, he came through a slump. He was injured uh, towards the end of the season. That's actually why Evan Carter was even called up. Mm-hmm. It was because Garcia got hurt, and they thought it was going to be season-ending, and it wind up he was able to come back I think the last week or two of the regular season, but he wasn't healthy and he was kind of swinging and missing. He was free swinging there for a while. And boy, he caught, he caught fire when Houston came to town. And, and, you know, that guy's been through a lot, the whole getting plunk, getting thrown at. I will say this. I had a good teaching moment with my son. Um, <laughs> when a Bray, you hit Mitch Garver underneath the ribs, and, man, that's one of the softest spots you can hit him. My son looked at me and goes, oh, that hurt. I can't believe he hit another guy. And I said, don't worry. Texas will hit one of Houston's guys in the next few innings. And he didn't quite understand what I meant. <laughs> and then Chapman just drills Chaz McCormick, who you you can audibly hear his scream. And my son just looked straight into my eyes with wonderment. And I said, buddy, that's baseball. I said, you got to take care of your team. I said, we don't throw at people's heads, but you got to protect your players. You got to protect your teammates. And he looked at me and said, Araldis Chapman is the last person I would want to hit me. And I said, I guarantee you, Chaz McCormick was screaming that that night as well. So um, just a fun series. Listen, listen, that was one of the best baseball series I've ever seen. And if Texas would have lost in game seven, I would have said the same thing. You talk about intensity. You talk about the change of momentum, the ebb and flow. That was baseball at its finest. Listen, Philadelphia and Arizona had a great series. They went seven. But there was a World Series intensity in those in, in Minute Maid and Globe Life. And they gave us a series to remember. And I, I'm I'm super happy about that. But even more so, it's um Got four more to go, and now Texas has a shot at some redemption. And 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 to finish up on Adolis Garcia, you know where they got him, St. Louis. That's what makes it extra sweet for cash. Yeah, they got him for cash. Somebody on Twitter came at me about, oh well, Texas just you know spent this much money to build a, a winner, and I quickly compared that Houston and Texas spent about the same amount of money this year. And then I also mentioned you have to look at the guys like Jonah Heim and Adolis Garcia and Lavordi, Leody Tavares and Evan Carter and Nate, Nathaniel Lowe and, and Dane Dunning and Jose LeClerc. These are all players that Texas either drafted or traded for in the minors and developed. Hmm. And so this, this has been a team that's been building 
They've been building, and they were 200, uh, two years removed from a 100-loss season. Bruce Bochy's made a ton of a difference, and now they, uh, they've they got four more to go before we can hang a banner in Arlington for the very first time. Who do you think Texas should start on Friday, Justin? Nathan Eovaldi or Jordan Montgomery? I think the argument could be made for either. Valdi probably considered this team's ace right now if you have to pick one or the other, but considering just how good Arizona is at running the bases. I don't, I can't help but to wonder if Jordan Montgomery isn't the better option for game one because you not only get him for game one and then game five, but potentially get him back for game seven like what we saw in the Astros series. That's the question, and I'm real curious. That's a good question. I I could see either one. Those two, as long as they both start game one, game two, I think that's what's going to happen. Whoever starts game one, the other will start game two. Avaldi. Uh, Honestly, he was injured this year, and coming back like he did, I did not expect yeah. him to be as sharp as he was. And then Jordan Montgomery, you know what that guy's done? He is building a treasure chest. He is a free <laughs> agent at the end of this series, and, buddy, he is about to get paid. Yep. And I, I love seeing him have some success. You know, he's bounced around the league a little bit since he was a prospect with the Yankees years ago. And so I'm not sure. It, it's going to be one or the other, and I think then the other one would start game two. Honestly, I would look at Arizona's lineup against righties and lefties. Hmm. And if I felt like there was an advantage in either or, that's probably the direction I would go. My gut says Nathan Avaldi simply because Montgomery's been on the mound sooner. Hmm. And and you're going to have a few more days to, to kind of rest up. And so – my guess would be Evaldi, but it's going to be one of those two for game one and game two. And and those are going to be the two that have to set the tone because guess what, Texas? You're going to have to win a playoff game at home. God forbid you got home field advantage, and that's one thing that cost them in 2011. Now you've got home field advantage. You're going to have to win a playoff game at home. And I'm sure the fans think the same thing. So I'm looking at the splits right now for Arizona. It is <laughs> – it is very similar in terms of batting average, on-base percentage, slugging. There's a slight advantage for Arizona against righties in terms of on-base percentage and slugging, but in my opinion, it's fairly negligible. So uh, it is uh, one of the bigger decisions that I think Bruce Bochy has to make this postseason, but ultimately there may not be a wrong answer. And the other thing too, Justin, I know you mentioned this in, in the first part of this conversation, just how big of a deal it was talking Bruce Bochy out of retirement. Bruce Bochy has made a name for himself and had all these successes that he has because he's made such good decisions with his rotation and with his bullpen too, going back to his time with the Giants and now with the Rangers, that you uh, you not only give him the benefit of the doubt with whoever he goes with in game one, you trust that he has made the right decision because he has done that so often throughout his career. Look at those Giants teams. They were built on pitching and defense. Look at this Texas team. For years, the Rangers had the big sticks from the 80s and the 90s, big sticks in the late 2000s, early 2010s. Now you're seeing starting pitching is a strength for Texas. You're seeing defense. They had five guys as finalists for the Golden Glove award, uh, defensive awards this year. That's tremendous. So you're seeing – the representation of Bochi on the field. 
You really are. The bullpen's the one thing that I think everyone's a little worried about. And even though they did pretty well in the Houston series, it's still something as long as it's worked properly, I think I think they're kind of coming around. But Bochi's been an X factor in all this. He's been the calm, cool one. He's he he's handled things. And I will say that the thing I like the most about Arizona is that they don't have a Jordan Alvarez. Yeah. I, I feel like that guy uh gave me a little bit of extra heartburn four four times a night and so i know arizona's got some young young talent and they do listen i follow it they've got some they've got a great farm system they have the nl rookie of the year in corbin carroll he is he is a a a future all-star in the outfield and they've got a premier pitcher in zach gallion that guy throws some absolutely wicked nasty stuff but that's that's going to be the challenge bochi's going to have those guys ready they're certainly confident. There's no highs. There's no lows. He's just medium. And I think those those are the guys that manage the best. Bochi's been there. And I think that calming presence really does reflect the team in this postseason. I think that's uh, very well said there, Justin. And just a couple of things to keep uh, keeping your thoughts as you watch this series play out starting on Friday. Arizona very much middle of the pack with just about every offensive stat, truly. Home runs, doubles, um, batting average, on-base percentage, slugging, OPS, of course. There's two areas where they excel. One is stolen bases, and the other is triples. So this is a team that has a ton of speed. If there is such a thing as small ball in Major League Baseball in 2023, the Arizona D-backs, they do play that. So just uh, be ready for that. All right, I'm going to get Justin's prediction on the series at the end of our conversation. We're on a commercial break, but coming up next, we'll get into Longhorn football. What happened in Houston for that to be such a close game? Is there an easy fix for the defense, and what should we expect for the quarterback position for Texas going forward with Quinn Ewers out indefinitely with that shoulder injury. You are listening to Justin Wells of Inside Texas, InsideTexas.com and the On Texas Football YouTube channel right here on Sports Day Plus. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling. One more segment with Justin Wells of Inside Texas, InsideTexas.com, and the On Texas Football YouTube channel. Spent last segment talking about the Texas Rangers, what happened in the Astros series, what we may be able to expect in the Arizona series. We move on now to the primary topic at hand this time of year. That would be college football. Going even more specific than that, the Texas Longhorns. It was unfortunately... A hard-fought victory over the Houston Cougars on Saturday. I say unfortunately because you wanted it to be a blowout where you could see Malik Murphy, maybe even Arch Manning in the game at some point in the second half. Well, unfortunately, Justin, we did see Malik Murphy in the game because Quinn Ewers injured his throwing shoulder on a pretty innocuous-looking sack in the third quarter. That injury is uh, unfortunately exasperated in the fourth quarter on a hard shot he takes trying to pick up a fourth down. He exits the game. Malik comes in for a couple of drives, is under center as Texas takes the ball down the field to score what would be the uh, go-ahead and final touchdown of the game. 31-24 the final score. Uh, On the one hand, it sucks that they didn't blow the Houston Cougars out. On the other hand, Justin, this is a game that Texas probably loses a lot in the recent past, including the last couple of years with Steve Sarkeesian in charge. 
Trey, you nailed it. You know, that was the prevailing sentiment from the players and coaches at the end of the game. You know, we were we we were talking to to, to Sark and the players, and 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 that was something they mentioned. Jalen Ford, Tavondre Sweat, and Jade Barron specifically. They said, you know, in the last couple of years, we probably lose this game. That we probably don't make those plays that force those turnovers. Jalen Ford forcing that one on his strip sack that Vernon Broughton picked up, and also that um you know, Michael Taft, that that interception in the red zone, that would have probably been points. I mean, that was that was ginormous. You know, I feel like Texas plays with its food a little too much <laughs> in some of these games. They, you know, they they're not they haven't been the best at starting games, but they've been tremendous at finishing. They go into Houston, and of course, I was there covering the game, and it's twenty-one to nothing before you blink. And I'm already prepping, you know, Malik Murphy appearance and Arch Manning appearance stories because it looks like this one's going to be a runaway. And the fake field goal kind of started it. And Sark even admitted it was a bad call because Houston had shown something on defense and in their special teams that they had never done. And so it wound up being a bad call, and it, and it let Houston back into it. And I think people need to understand, yeah, Houston's not a great team, but they have incredible team speed, and they know how to use it. Holgerson – you know, as much as he knows how to slam a Red Bull, he knows how to put receivers in the right spot and, and make good decisions. And 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 they they amplify that. Matthew Golden is going to play on Sundays in the future, and so we got to see Malik Murphy just just a little bit. Not he only, I believe, he only attempted two passes. My boy Ian Boyd described him about as well as I think he possibly can. Hmm. You know, he said Malik Murphy throws the football like he's trying to take down a buck. <laughs> and um, there, there's a lot of heat on that fastball. But, you know, the key is going to, you know, getting out of that with a W was, was the big thing. Because, listen, even Oklahoma slipped up at home with UCF. And that's college football. Just when you think you've got something figured out, aligns the right way, everything goes the, the way you think she's she's different when college football comes up and bites you um i'll say one positive was cedric baxter i think is healthy i think we saw cj baxter healthy for the first time this season and that's what he looks like when he's 100 percent. he is a dude as well as jonathan brooks has played this year baxter is is more upside tailback he has he has more speed he's a bigger guy he's a stronger runner and I think that duo is going to be helpful for, for Malik and, and potentially Arch going into to this week with BYU on the schedule coming home, uh, coming to Austin. Um, but they got out of there with a W. And like they said, hey, this is this is probably a game they don't win. I believe Sark even referenced it, compared it to losing to Kansas two years ago. You know, it, it was similar. You know, it's a, it's a it, it turns into a ball game with an opponent that you should basically overwhelm. And you find out a lot about yourself. You really do. And so at the end of the day, it, you get out of Houston with a W. Like you said, you'd like to see them blow them out, but that's not always going to be the case on Saturday. Sometimes you, you got to be prepared for, for anything. Donovan Smith showed he's a, he's a good quarterback. He showed it. He had no fear. This is a guy that beat Texas the year before, and he played like it on Saturday. And, and give those guys tip, tip to cap because they, they play tremendous. But – they this team can finish. Yeah. We know that much. Now we're going to find out where the offense is with Quinn Ewers not at the helm. And I think that I think the defense has some things they have to fix. And I think this tape for Houston is going to do just that. 
Now we're going to have to look at the offensive side and if Malik Murphy can be the game manager because the schedule sets up pretty well. There's only a couple more teams that can get you, Kansas State, TCU possibly. And so we're going to see just how good this team is, how much the resolve comes through because you're losing a quarterback that was throwing at an 83% clip. And if Malik Murphy and or Arch Manning can can hold the reins, this team can make it to Arlington. But they're going to be tested just like they were last Saturday. Before we get into the nuance of what to expect out of the offense here in a couple of days against BYU, I did want to get your thoughts on just what has happened to this defense over the last couple of weeks. I get that they played a quarterback in Dylan Gabriel who has a ton of starts as a collegiate, both at Oklahoma now, and of course, going back to his time at UCF too. And Donovan Smith is a guy that torched Texas as a member of Texas Tech last year. But this is a side of the ball that I think a lot of people, myself included, looked at as the biggest reason why Texas could compete for a Big 12 championship and possibly a berth in the college football playoff this year. But Justin, I don't know how possible that is if this secondary continues to run roughshod like what we've seen these last two games now. What is the problem that ails Texas passing defense, and is it something that is fixable this deep into the season? It's definitely fixable. I think what you saw Saturday was, listen, there's some injuries back there. There's some injuries that may not be reported in that secondary. There, I'm not playing the, the theme finale music to MASH just yet, but... <laughs> There, there's some guys back there were dinged up. Johnny Barron played corner in the fourth quarter. Yeah, like and he the, was a guy that they didn't even want to play in that game. He was a he wasn't going a break to play class in, in case of emergency status. He's dealing, yes, he's dealing with a foot. A bit, he's dealing with a toe injury, and and he wasn't supposed to play. And I think there was an assumption that Houston they could get by Houston without playing Jalen Catalan, without playing Ryan Watts, who was still going to beat was he was still going to miss the game anyway. He's still nursing that hammy, and then with Johnny Barron. And then they figured out pretty quickly, well, maybe not. Hmm. Maybe, maybe you do got to have some, some more veterans back there. Michael Taft was was half of a coach on Saturday. Like he was having to get guys lined up. It, it was a lot of players playing spots they weren't necessarily used to. And I had been saying for, for the last few weeks that Sark needed to shorten the bench. He needed to kind of stick more with starters as they kind of go down the stretch. But – that I, it, it's I'm, I'm glad he didn't because those young guys needed to play. You know, Manny Muhammad had to play a lot of reps. Derek Williams had to come in and play a lot of reps. And I think that'll benefit this team down the road. But the defense was exposed in some areas. I think they made a, a bad assumption on, on how they could get by Houston with that secondary. And now you go back to the drawing board and you figure out PKS to figure out one, you got to stop giving up free yards. Yeah. I get the bend, note break type style, but man, you're letting teams get into the daggone red zone too easily with these, with this, with this, with this type of defense. And, and I think it, it's going to have to get one. They got to figure out who can play, who's healthy, who's not healthy, who's half in it, who's not half in it, who, who can go and who can't go. Once you establish that, you need to have a plan of attack. You got to make sure you get to the quarterback. First three or four games, Texas was getting to the quarterback. Now that Ethan Burke got injured, got re-injured, and 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 he's one that you're going to have to watch on Saturday if he even plays. Um, 
they've got to figure out a way to get to the quarterback, Trey. That that's what helped that secondary look so good early in the season was the defensive pressure. You get to the quarterback and disrupt his timing and you can force some balls and you see a Jaron Thompson pick six. You see a Jade Barron pick and, and, and you see Michael Taft bait, bait Smith and, and get that pick in the red zone. And so they got some stuff to work on and I'm glad it's on tape because now it's clear who can do what. And you got to focus on what they can do best. And so from the defensive side, I, I do expect them to look better against BYU. They don't, the, you know, BYU does not, the Cougars don't have the same skill guys as a lot of the rest of the Big 12. Now they got some big guys. They got, trust me, they've got grown men playing those lines of scrimmage, but they don't have the speed that Houston did. And so at the end of the day, th this BYU might be a decent barometer of just getting back to basics figuring out who's healthy, finding guys in the right spot, making sure some of these safeties aren't lost and understand where, you know, their assignments, making sure that, you know, the crossing routes, listen, they were getting beat with simple mesh routes, Trey. Yeah. And the, the way to stop that is leverage. You have to adjust your leverage. And then if you get beat off that, then you got a tailpipe. And so this week, a lot of that was going on in practice, because if you don't think, these other teams are looking at ways to beat Texas. They found a little, they found a kink, a, a chink in the armor, so to speak, uh, with Houston running these mesh routes. And I think that's something that's going to be have to be adjusted to. A lot of stuff put on tape this this Sunday or Saturday that allows Texas to get better. We just have to see it put to fruition and execution on the field on Saturday. All right, we are up on another commercial break now. Justin, do you have a couple more minutes on the other side so I can get your prediction for BYU and then also your World Series prediction as well? And you know this, man. <laughs> he is Justin Wells, Inside Texas, InsideTexas.com, the On Texas Football YouTube channel, uh, one of my good friends and somebody that I am so happy I get to talk with weekly right here on Sports Day Plus, getting his opinions on Longhorn football, Texas Rangers baseball, the Dallas Cowboys, a whole lot more as well. Proud to get to present these conversations to you each and every week right here, Sports Day Plus, here on 1027 ESPN. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie. All right, one more quickie of a segment here with Justin Wells of Inside Texas, InsideTexas.com, the On Texas Football YouTube channel. Justin, you talked a couple answers ago about uh, Steve Sarkeesian orchestrating a game plan on offense this Saturday that doesn't ask too much out of Malik Murphy. I'm in complete agreement of that. It seems like a great game to have Jonathan Brooks touch the ball 20 to 25 times in this game. Maybe C.J. Baxter, as you said, this is as healthy as he's been since quarter one of game one. Maybe he gets 15 to 20 touches. And Malik is maybe asked to throw the football 15 to 20 times or maybe a combination of Malik, uh, Malik and Arch Manning. Easy for us to say, though, for a guy like Steve Sarkeesian who does love to throw the football, do you think he can adhere to a game plan like this? Absolutely. You you got to figure out ways to win. You got to, you know, he 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 mentioned that the, you know, the first thing he talked about after the post game with Houston is they have to find a killer instinct. Sometimes it's doing what it what it takes to get the W that week. It you know style points it seemed to go away for a few years, and now that subject's been brought back up in college football. I'm hearing style points a lot more than I used to, and I think it's because college football lacks a dominant team. 
And so you've got all these t- pretty good teams clamoring to try to get one of those four playoff spots, and they're relying on how much they're beating teams. They're relying on what they look like on the field, the style points. I think from Sark's standpoint, they're 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 all Big Twelve championship or bust. That that's that's the goal there. Playoffs will take care of themselves if Texas takes care of themselves. And so that killer instinct might mean, hey, let, let let's lean on the run. When you've got a Jonathan Brooks, who's one of the top running backs in the country statistics-wise, when you've got C.J. Baxter healthy, when you've got a Savion Red that I'm telling you, <laughs> he sniffs the end zone. Like he's addicted to that to the paint. <laughs> Somehow, some way, the red alert gets six. And I and I think you're going to see more and more of that. People don't know. Savion Red played quarterback in high school, and yeah. he was good. He was real good. He's an aggressive athlete. And so – yeah, I can see them shortening the field. I can see that. And what's funny, too, I asked a couple of the players, how much more are you going to see of this three high safety over for, you know, the rest of the, you know, over the course of the season? Because Houston hasn't run it in years. And, buddy, they ran it on Saturday. And I, I, I'll never forget, Adana, Adonai Mitchell told me, oh, we're going to see it every week now. Hmm. Every Saturday, that's what, what people are going to run until we beat it. And and I think that's it's going to be curious to see what people do against Malik because now they can't game plan with yours in the vertical threat. They're having a game plan for a, a different quarterback, two different quarterbacks in, in that regard. And I think that actually can help Texas by easing. You know, what the best thing for a quarter, a new quarterback is a great running game. Nothing mm-hmm. helps a new quarterback getting getting his reps, getting his his footing than a good run game. Everything plays off that, and I actually think that's going to be your game plan for Sark and these guys going into BYU. They've got the guy, they've got the athletes to out athlete them, but this isn't a team that's I don't see like with Quinn throwing the ball five of the first six plays of the game. I don't see that being the script against BYU. I think they're going to lean on the run to help Malik to get him, you know, kind of adjusted into the system, and then when they need to go vertical. All they got to do is take off the cannon because that kid can throw it to the flipping moon. And uh, and I know fans like to see that. Do you think we see Arch Manning in this game on Saturday? And I'm talking about non-mop-up duty here. Do you think Steve Sarkeesian considers a, a package or a series where he gives Arch a chance, even though it would be his first action at the college level? Absolutely. Hmm. I'd be shocked if he's not playing Saturday. Wow. Absolutely. Simple as that. All right. I'm going to ask your prediction now. And I say this knowing that a lot of Longhorn fans have PTSD from more than a decade ago where BYU in consecutive years uh, made us their fourth, fifth, or sixth husband wife at that time. It was uh, an ugly look for Texas football, really ugly look for a guy like Dylan Haynes who uh, just kept getting hurdled repeatedly by Taysom Hill. Thankfully, Taysom Hill out of eligibility now. So uh, is this a week we see Longhorn football really get things back on track with an authoritative win over the Cougars? I I think so, Trey. I really do. I happen to be in the stands. I mean stands uh, in the press box for the games in 2013, 2014. The 2013 game in Provo when they basically decided that David Ash was a dual-threat quarterback and Major Applewhite called a dozen quarterback design runs, gets a concussion, probably changes his career forever. Manny Diaz and Mac Brown getting in a fight on the sideline. Dwayne Aquina getting involved. Yeah, they're, and then once they came to Austin, it was just it, – it was not pretty at all. Uh, whatsoever. Taysom Hill for sure uh, use those legs. I like Texas. 
I, I don't think it's going to be a blowout because I think it's going to be more of a run control to try to keep, you know, to get Malik Murphy comfortable and how much Arch Manning plays to get him comfortable. Um, I got Texas winning uh, 38-17. I think BYU will get a couple couple scores. I think they can run the ball, and I think they'll rely on that. Uh, but, yeah, it's not going to be a blowout. I don't see style points in this game because BYU is – they're not a great team, but they're good enough to 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 to, to still throw hands with you. They're gonna they're gonna punch back. They always play hard, and they're always tough, tough minded guys. I mean, you're 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 essentially playing grown men with families. <laughs> yeah. These guys have kids. This is a livelihood. They just came back from a mission. They're 24 years old, and so uh, it's not going to be a blowout. But I like Texas. I like Texas 38 17. I I think they'll win good enough to set up that uh, big, big matchup with K-State next Saturday. The Dallas Cowboys are coming off a bye week with a home game against the Los Angeles Rams. It is a 12 o'clock kickoff that you can hear right here on 1027 ESPN. What are you hoping to see out of this Cowboys team coming off a bye with a little bit more than half the regular season schedule left? I, you know, I'm indifferent on this Cowboys team. I don't. They don't have an identity yet. Yeah. And I I think the defense was going to be sort of that, but losing Diggs hurt, even though Deron Bland has filled in admirably. Mm-hmm. That guy's been tremendous. Uh, Vander Ash being out hurts, but they've had some other guys step up. I still like the defense. I still think they can create, as long as Micah Parsons is active on offense. I don't know what to see week to week. Or I mean, they <laughs> – I, they need an identity. C.D. Lamb is a great wide receiver. I don't know if he's a number one. He's mm. a great number two. He's a great second read guy. Um, but I, I don't know if he's got that. And so for this Cowboys team, I think it's going to be a battle every week. Like they're no matter who they're playing, be it the Chicago Bears, the you know the Carolina Panthers, or the San Francisco 49ers, I don't I don't know who's going to show up week to week. I, you know, I'm a big fan of Dak Prescott. I think he's a good quarterback. I think he's in the right situation. This offensive line is nowhere near what it used to be, but it is showing a little bit of push here lately that we are seeing some glimpses. Tony Pollard is definitely doing his part as well. Um, I just, I think, remember, I told, we talked about this in the summer. I think this is a 500 team. I really do. And I, you can't go 500 anymore. I think they're either, I think they're a seven and nine team. Um, or, or 17 games rather be eight and nine team. Yeah. I, I still think they're 500. I think they can beat any team on any given Sunday, but I also think they don't have an identity. That offense is getting older and the defense is losing a few, lost a few guys. I don't think they expected to see, um, man, they've got a favorable schedule though. Yeah. The next month, is it that bad besides Philadelphia? It's not that bad. The Rams can be beat. The, the Redskins can be beat. The Giants can be beat. And so, and that's what they've been good at doing is at least competing in their own division. But until this team finds an identity, I think we're looking at a, a week to week. Let's just pray and see what happens with the Dallas Cowboys. All right. Last question here. We got about a minute left. Oh. The World Series gets going on Friday in Arlington. If there are four games in Arlington, it'll be consecutive Fridays and Saturdays with three games in between in Arizona. What do you think happens in the 2023 World Series between the Rangers and D backs? 
I I like Texas, and that scares the hell out of me. Um, <laughs> I heard the apprehension in your voice. Yeah, I like Texas. Uh, I was worried about Philadelphia because they beat the best team in baseball, the Braves, to get where they were. Their one through four lineup was outstanding, even though Arizona shut it down the last three games. Uh, Arizona's a hot team. They were under 500 on August 11th. This is a very hot team. And they're so young, I don't know if they understand the moment. And sometimes that's a positive. Sometimes that helps you. You don't know what you're into yet. I like Texas, though. I think they have too much firepower, especially after what they did to Houston in that series. The bats, they're aggressive. They're 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 top to bottom. They have the best number nine hitter in baseball in Leota Tavares. The defense has been tremendous. I like Texas. Knowing how they've not shown up at home, though, and this is a home field advantage, I'm picking the Rangers in seven. I think this thing goes seven games. I think it's going to stress the hell out of all of us, especially my son and I, but we're going to enjoy it. it we're going to love it. The Rangers are in the World Series. That rarely happens. This little joker's seven years old, and he doesn't understand the pain and the suffering that a normal Rangers fan has gone through. Mm-hmm. And if they can win four more games, he'll never have to understand what that feels like. And I think they will, but I, I think it's going to be in seven. Oh, man, I get butterflies just hearing you talk about all of that. All right, he is Justin Wells, Inside Texas, InsideTexas.com, the On Texas uh, on Texas Football YouTube channel. Follow him on Twitter at JustinWells2424 and hear him on this show usually every Wednesdays for a couple of segments at 6.15. This week he was nice enough to talk to me for three because, well, there was just too damn much to talk about. Justin, always a pleasure, man. Looking forward to the next time. Nothing but love, brother. All right, that is it for another edition of Sports Day Plus. Thanks again to Justin Wells for hanging out for an extra segment. Just too much to talk about this week. And thanks to you for hanging out over the course of the 6 o'clock hour. We'll be back tomorrow at 6. That includes a two-segment conversation with stand-up comedian Alonzo Bowden ahead of his headlining shows at Joe Rogan's Comedy Mothership this weekend. In the meantime, have yourselves a great rest of the evening and hook them. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling.